Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to The Mind Project. I'm Paige, and I'm here to deliver the first ever guest episode today. And this is an interview with my best friend, Scarlett. And we dove into all things self-love, the patriarchy, accountability, uh, boundaries, growing as a person. This really was the most miscellaneous conversation in the absolute best way possible. So I really hope that you enjoy it. If you'd like to connect with Scarlett after listening to this episode, which I'm sure you will, then all her details will be in the show notes. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. I know it's got some real golden nuggets that you're going to walk away and just feel super empowered because some of the perspectives that Scarlett shares are honestly amazing. And I think it's so important that we open ourselves up to the perspectives of other people. And that's the biggest reason why I want to include guests on this podcast. So let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mind Project. I'm here with my best friend, Scarlett. Hello. Hello. And we're going to talk all things about self-love, the patriarchy. We're really excited. This whole kind of episode has been inspired by Florence Given's book, Women Don't Know You Pretty which we have loved, haven't we? Absolutely. It's and been I've read it, reread it many times. Literally. And now we've got my sister reading it as well. I feel like we've kind of just spread it to our friends too. We yeah. should be getting commission. We should be getting she commission. She should be paying us. <laughs> it's so true. Even like one of our other friends as well got that as a gift for her too. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Scarlett is like my other half. She's like my best friend. So maybe we'll start off by talking a little about when and how we met and what we were like then well we met in year seven so we were like 12 i feel like you remember the first time meeting me better yeah i've literally said always the one thing i remember about scarlet was we were in pdhpe and she was whinging why why are they making us run was literally crazy so crazy and I remember too, like even just our appearances were so, so different. Like the high pony, the high pony towel, slick with the hairspray, like yeah. literally insane. Um, you also really much more quiet. hundred percent. I think I was so also too. obsessed with you. <laughs> yeah. And this is another thing too. We kind of, I think at the start bonded a little bit. Yeah. Like I think channel. in a weird way that I, I knew you. Yeah. Because I like watched your YouTube channel. It's so strange. And you didn't really know me, but I was like, I know what lipstick you wear on an everyday basis. <laughs> <So funny. laughs> um, and even as well, I feel like, when do you think we were the closest? Like at what age? Like now. Do you reckon? I think now. Yeah, true. Uh, I think also year, year 11 and 12, when we had a lot of classes together, we we're also like going through a similar thing of trying to achieve like mm. insane goals with school. Yes. And we like really bonded then. But I feel like it's different because now it's just growing. Like yeah. Every time we hang different. out, it's growing. And I think we're bonding on a non-academic level. Yes. We used to bond a lot over school, but now it's more like our own personal development as people. We're like kind of aligned, I think, yeah. with our growth. And I think we're really like conditioned to think that numerical achievements or like anything we've achieved in terms of like marks or, you know, some sort of... I don't know anything that has a number attached to it mm. that's going to be the thing that is defined as achievement but i think we've both grown more in the past year in terms of achievements than we probably did during Very school true. and i think because we're both aware of that we value each other and each other's achievements on a non-numerical basis yes. that i feel like when i express to you what i've achieved it feels like it's being appreciated mm. more than with other people yes definitely 
And also too, I think we've both kind of in some way felt constricted maybe by Mm. numerical achievements. So we have like a deeper appreciation when there's achievements in other places. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I have this theory that we have sold contracts. Yes, we heard about this. Okay. So who was, who introduced that? Actually, I'm actually not sure where I, I've heard about it in a YouTube video or a podcast or something like that. And I was like, this is page nine, that before we came to earth, we like made a contract with each other in like purgatory or heaven or whatever you believe that we would like serve each other on earth and that we would be each other's best friend. And there's because we just connected so instantly. It was kind of freaky. I was like, there's got to be some kind of thing, Mm. some kind of divine thing. that What what do you think it was that made us like connect so fast? I think that we're aligned a lot in terms of our values and our personalities, but they're also mm. different enough that it's interesting. Yeah, true. That's what I think it was. What do you feel like is the biggest kind of difference? Do you reckon? I don't think there's any like, um, maybe our life path goals yeah. are slightly different, true. but I don't know. It's nothing huge. It's nothing that would be problematic. Yes, not at all. I feel like there's enough similarity that we are like incredibly bonded, but enough like difference that it stays spicy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, And yeah, like the biggest memory I have of, I suppose, like connecting really deeply was I think year nine. And I think the trick was that we went straight to deep questions and we cut through all like the surface level shit. Definitely. Like, I don't think we really spoke about that too much at the start no i don't think we ever did literally the first time that we bonded it was when we're doing pe just pe (laughs) just pe because we were both averted to it we were attracted to each other (laughs) yeah and we sat on the grass and you told me like a bunch of your secrets like straight away and i feel like you at that time especially were not one to open up incredibly quickly not at all and i i mean i don't but i think you don't more yes so it's very true I don't know. It's got to be something divine in my opinion. Yeah, it was. It just felt like it was a space for like vulnerability, Mm -hmm. I suppose, which is good because I think- No judgment. Yeah. Never any judgment at any point. hundred percent. And I think too, that if you have like a space or some sort of friendship where there's no judgment, then like if you want to pursue something like a conscious personal growth journey or like conscious personal development, Mm -hmm. because there's no judgment, you can talk about like shadow work or like stuff that you're working through. Like, I remember we were, um, whereabouts were we? We went to Darling Harbour the other day and we just literally sat at nighttime on the bench talking about, like, shit toxic things we yeah. recognize in ourselves. 100%. You can't, I don't, I don't have anyone else in my life that I feel like I can do that yeah. with personally. And it's just, I think that for me, like, real friendship is being able to, like, own up to your shit. Definitely. Basically, I think. Yeah, Awesome. So for those, you know, we've said like, you're my best friend, which you are, whereabouts would you say you're at in your life at the moment? Like, what are you working on? Do you have anything you're working towards? That's kind of a hard question because I do feel like I'm in a transitionary period at this exact present moment. Um, I'm starting a new course in like two months, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to be studying English, which is like my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, I'm also working on my drawing quite a lot, which is something I never foresaw for my hobbies. But this year I've taken it up and I've been improving and kind of finding my style. And that's been really super duper fun for me. Something I didn't think that I needed, but now I feel like I really am enjoying being creative. Yes. Um, Obviously I'm a big, big reader. So I'm always reading and I'm writing on my blog. Um, So that's going to be fun. I'm trying to like workshop that, get a clear vision for that. 
also working part-time just kind of doing a lot of stuff trying to like just do things that make me happy i've been trying Mm -hmm. as much as i possibly can um yeah how do you think um that might have been connected maybe to like self-love or particularly our book that we've read yeah (laughs) recently do you think there's like some sort of connection for feeling permission to do all of those things that maybe you didn't feel permission to do before definitely i think that making the active choice to engage in activities and hobbies that are aligned with stuff that you like without worrying about am i going to be gaining like numerical success from this that is an act of self-love in itself so me choosing hey i love to read and i'm not going to read books that make me seem fancy i'm just going to read books that i love And I've been doing that a lot more lately and like not feeling shameful about my hobbies and things that I love and promoting them is also something that I found it hard to do. Like posting my art on my Instagram and being like, it's not perfect, but fuck it. Yes. You know? Yes. Like perfectionism is just like, you can't, it just holds you back. Yes. A hundred percent. I think it's like a progress mindset over everything has to be perfect right from the get go. Cause it's just never going to be at all. Awesome. Um, and let me ask you then, what do you think self-love is to you? And why Why then do you think it's so important that people are like actively turning inwards and asking themselves like, am I fulfilling and embodying self-love in my own life? What do you think that is to you? I think to me, for me personally, self-love is just regarding my own happiness and my own best interests above anything else. So that is like, very much inclusive of making incredibly difficult choices in your life that Mm -hmm. it feels like a struggle. You don't want to do it. It's really uncomfortable, but you know that in the end it will result in your happiness and the bettering of your life. So that could be leaving a toxic friendship or like shifting the direction of your life because you know Mm -hmm. that it's not working for you. For me, self-love is those big drastic changes that you make Mm -hmm. that you know be good for you and not just those big drastic changes but also little things every day that you can do to be like this is me this is my authentic self and I love that person and even if I don't every day I'm working on it you're working on accepting and loving yes Yes. definitely awesome and also with that rejection of perfectionism we were saying like trying to move out of that um need for a perfect life or striving for a life that is resulting from things you see around you Mm. thinking i need to have this because that will be a perfect life and thinking fuck that i'm gonna actually pick my perfect life yes and making actions and steps towards that every day it's Mm -hmm. really important awesome yeah i think we all crave like so much almost external validation and like society position success is one thing when really for me at least i think of it as a feeling like where's your dominant feeling so if you're feeling happy a dominant amount of the time then to me that's definitive of like success definitely yeah and it's funny how we always look like how does someone appear to be looking in terms of you know where they are or what they're doing and that is successful we never actually ask people you know are you happy where you are we ask them what are you doing um yeah awesome love that and how do you think that's different to your younger like your younger self and their experience of self-love what do you think self-love was back then if anything i don't actually think that i knew what it was i think my perception of self-love was going home and putting on a cute outfit and painting my nails Mm. and taking a bath and being like oh yes look at me go look at me treating myself i love myself 
and equally it was like kind of um instant gratification like instant happiness like i would do something that would make me happy and i'd be like yes doing it because i love myself Mm -hmm. or seeking to achieve things which would give other people the perception that I was happy and yep. then be proud of me, especially my parents mm. and my friends, them perceiving me as good and as excellent, that would make me happy. And I thought if other people perceive me as good, then something must be right and I should love myself. Yeah. And it's I think it's dangerous because we're kind of, if you know, if we jump to some of the stuff Florence said in her book, we're kind of trained to like never be enough and a system has been capitalized to pull on those insecurities right so what could be like some examples of things that maybe you thought you know i wasn't enough in this way and you felt like maybe a system capitalized on that because i think it's like people need to become aware of the fact that their their insecurities yes you might have them initially but they're being magnified by something and you need to become aware of it so is there anything kind of I think that I used to be very, very much insecure about my physical appearance mm-hmm. because I'm absolutely stunning, but <laughs> but a yes. lot of my features I don't think would be like Eurocentrically beautiful. Like people would not look at my nose, which is not a little swoopy little baby thing yeah. and be like, wow, stunning. Or like, I'm not skinny. And I was like, that's not good enough. And people around me, some people would make me think that it was not good enough. And then what would I do? I would like buy more expensive clothes to make myself look thinner, or I would buy apps on my phone to Photoshop my mm. body to make me look slimmer. Or like I would, I was literally looking into nose jobs at yeah. 15, 14, 15. It's so sad. That I was going to spend like 20 grand on having my body surgically fixed for something that was not wrong Mm. and i just think every single thing that i am or was insecure about money can be made off of it and when Mm. i had that realization yeah like there's no need so true so true like i even remember like you were talking about the photoshopping your body Mm -hmm. um the i think like the biggest insecurity i've had physically has always been my skin and I used to like Photoshop all the dots off my legs on Instagram and um, like, you know, airbrush editor <laughs> for anyone out there who's used that. Um, and it's crazy because it turns into this cycle where you actually look back at old photos of yourself and you get more sad because you're not like that now. But that's not the real version of you. You've crafted that version. It's not like a real thing. So, yeah, definitely has been like capitalized in a way. And I feel like that was a big realization for both of us. in I actually remember... We were at a party and we took a cute little selfie together and you had a zit on your chin and yeah. you were like, can you Photoshop it out for I me? do remember And this. I feel so, I literally think about this all the time, that I sat on my phone and I removed like your pimple and then I yes. fixed something on my face and I was like, good. And I was like, what kind of friend? I know that not neither of us proceeded as that way at the yeah. time, but the fact that I was like, you're right, that's bad. I'm going to remove it off mm-hmm. of your face. It's so true. Like if that happened... If that if now. that happened now, I'd be like, absolutely no. That is such you know toxic, and I feel like inauthentic behavior. And I think there's no like in saying that. I just want to say you know I don't think there is a problem in people wanting to shift their appearance. That's absolutely like fine. But I think it comes from a place of like knowing you're doing it for you first, and actually understanding the conditioning that's around you before Definitely. you make that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. I love, love it. it. 
So in what ways then do you think that self-love and like becoming aware of these things and being more conscious of, you know, how you're expressing love for yourself, how has that affected other aspects of your life? I think that it literally affects every single aspect of your life because at the root, if you love yourself, you're going to be confident in yourself. Mm. And if you don't love yourself, you won't be confident in yourself. The way you present yourself to the world, that affects like the job opportunities that you get because nobody wants to hire a person or nobody wants to work for you if you're not confident in yourself and your values, especially your friendships. Because if you're not loving yourself and presenting yourself in an authentic way, you're going to be attracting people to the person you present to the world. Mm -hmm. And if you're not being authentic, people are going to be attracted to that non-authentic version of you. And then you're going to feel so alone because you won't be making any friendships that feel truly valuable Mm. because no one's actually friends with you. Yeah. It's like, it's like you get stuck in a trap and then it's almost harder to step into like who you actually are and to being authentic because it's like, well, those people don't know me like that. So am I going to lose them then if I become more authentic in that way? Yeah. Awesome. And that's an act of self-love in itself to be like, okay, I'm either going to drop these people who don't like me for me, yeah. or I'm going to show them who I am and say, accept it. And like, yeah. especially with romantic relationships, mm. like if you're not going to be able to stand up for yourself, especially if you're, I think if you're a woman and you feel like there's a societal pressure to be the more submissive person who serves in a relationship if you can't set those boundaries for yourself because you don't love yourself enough to do that Mm. you're going to be in a wreck in relationships and just it's draining it's so exhausting yeah yeah i think there's too like there's a big connection between um like self-love and obviously like your worthiness and i think you know you would have heard in the last episode that i spoke a lot about um manifestation and you know it like comes from a place of worth so in that way I think self-love can affect other aspects of your life because if you don't have a certain level of self-worth it it's like you said it shifts what you're going to attract even if it's like money or if it's wealth if you think like I'm not worthy that worth is born out of self-love in my opinion so yeah I think it affects And especially since manifestation is also like an incredibly subconscious thing Mm -hmm. that if your internal monologue without you even consciously realizing is saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. You're going to be calling those things into your life Mm -hmm. every single day. Every single thing that you encounter, you would have manifested in a way that's aligned to you. And if you're not at least striving for a higher alignment, then you're just going to be so unsatisfied with your life. Mm And people become incredibly content. Some people in my life that I know with being unhappy with then I I can never love myself and nothing gets better. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, things don't get better unless you're willing to understand your worth and to understand that you're good. In what way do you think our like positioning to, you know, if we're talking about, you know, this whole conversation has been inspired by (laughs) women don't know you're pretty. How do you think, heteronormativity and all these roles in the patriarchy have fed into that do you think well i think that at its core there's this ideal life that people want for you they want you to be straight and they want you to be skinny and pretty and they want you to have a husband and be smaller than your husband and Mm. all of these things all of these things that you don't even realize unless you actually make the choice to realize have just been pushed upon you and they're controlling your life. And if they're not aligned with what you actually want, and they might be. Yeah. They could be. 
um, then you're just going to be striving for someone else's life. Yeah. And that someone is Mr. Capitalism. Huh? <laughs> it's true. It's true. And do you think, why do you think people have, I suppose, you know, some sort of resistance into looking into this, you know, because I don't think that every, I don't think that every, um, like woman is a aware of this and b wants to dive into it and wants to kind of unpack the conditioning that's around them where do you think that resistance comes from i think that the word patriarchy and the mm-hmm. word feminism they have so much stigma around it and i'll never forget listening to emma watson's speech this speech she did at the un oh what was it like 2012 something like that and her being like feminism is not a women's issue it is if if anything more of a man's issue and the word makes people think it's only about women. Patriarchy mm-hmm. is attacking men. And at its core, I don't think anybody hates men or hates women. Yes. And the thinking feminism is hating men, mm-hmm. hating men, and patriarchy is hating women, it, it confuses people. And then people would be like, I'm not a feminist. I'm an egalitarianist. Mm. Like, but you are a feminist. You're just scared of the word. Yeah. The word scares people and i think that some system somewhere taught mm. people that that word is bad mm. taught people that it's radical yeah but sometimes things need to be radical absolutely i even remember like um in high school you know you would mention like little words like that the reactions <laughs> oh, oh, we're sitting here laughing i know you can't see us and you know we're thinking of the same situation oh i don't know the one with the, okay so there was a situation in high school oh i where think on I, the stairs Mm, oh wait let me explain okay okay so there was this person who we don't particularly like um i just don't think they were a very positive person and they really were not cultivating any love in anyone's life they were bringing people down and i was sitting at the table with a bunch of our friends and i said something about being a feminist and this person and I'm not joking, screamed at me in front of the whole school and told me that feminism is bad. Feminism is not real, that there are bigger issues. They're like, but the things they were saying were actually feminist. So it was kind of confusing me. They were like, we should be worrying about women's education in third world countries. I'm like, it's all encompassing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that this person was so scared of being perceived as a feminist by men and hated by men that they just rejected women Mm. and i think that was a huge turning point for me where i was like if the opposite of what i believe is that i don't want to be that Mm. i really want to be what i am yeah 100 percent. now i remember that incident now i didn't at first when you said it i was like i can't remember what you're talking about but as soon as you said screamed at me i was like yeah cool crystal clear um yeah i think that you know somewhere it's and I think the word, you know, femme, that, you know, kind of is a prefix. Is that the word? No. But like that, like little, you know, phrase, that sound, that come, as soon as you hear that, it's associated with weak, I think. And people, the last thing they want to be perceived as is weak. So if they hear, you know, that word, I think that, you know, the word feminism, it turns people off because they don't want to be seen as like weak or as inferior in a way because i think we society has constructed a system where you know the feminine is the inferior and it is weaker yeah and um right now i think there's just too many things in place to for that you know at this very present day that we're recording this to actually 
shift but people need to become aware of it and actually be okay and comfortable with using the word if they want anything to shift and i think the issue is it benefits everybody like absolutely like you said and i think especially for like straight women for women who are attracted to men they're like having this mental argument with themselves that if they say i'm a feminist that men Mm. will dislike them for that and then they won't be able to get like a boyfriend Mm. or something like that um but I think when you're thinking about it like that, you're not going to want a guy who treats women like shit. Mm-hmm. So you should really be thinking, or you could really think that if I say I'm a feminist, women deserve literally basic human rights. And a man is like, yuck. You should be like, it's a great filter system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a filter system. And I think for people who are queer, it's probably a lot easier because they're already oppressed. So like, what's one more little <laughs> yeah. label? Yeah, True. And, you know, like even me owning up to that, I, um, there, you know, there was someone that I was messaging recently and I literally thought, you know, should I say X, Y, Z, or that this is what I've been up to? Will I come across as like too, uh, I suppose ambitious or will I come across as too bossy, too bossy? Yes. That's a big one. We're literally going to unpack the word bossy. I'm so excited for that. Um, yeah, you know, I literally had this thought, you know, am I going to come across as too, like, dominant or, like, I'm wanting to pursue things? You know, this person asked me, you know, what what was your day like today? And I didn't, you know, it's still, it's still conditioning that I'm working through. I didn't actually say all of what my day was because I was working towards a huge goal of mine and I didn't want to come across as, like, too dominating or too empowering. But I think the difference is then you acknowledge that that's the conditioning that's in you. Mm -hmm. It's not just like complicit anymore. You are aware of it. And even if you're not at the point where you can move through it yet, at least the awareness is there, you know? Yeah. Um, Tell me about this word bossy. Oh, I hate the word bossy. You know where it started for me? Harry goddamn Potter, literally chapter three. Chapter three, Harry Potter is my favorite book in the whole world. And they were like, oh, Hermione's so bossy. She's too bossy. She's too bossy. Shut up. Mm. I'm sorry. Shut up. She's a mm, swear word. (laughs) She's a powerhouse. Like when you describe women as bossy, you're just saying that they're ambitious and that they're successful Mm. and that they're actually able to like dominate people the way men do Mm. and not in a negative way, not in like an aggressive way. It's not even in a superior way. It's in an equalizing way. And it's like to be a, for a man to be a boss, like you're a boss. Mm. Like you're powerful, but for a woman to be bossy, it's used yes, as a use negative an connotation. Hundred percent. I feel like as a child, you know, so much of this goes into you as children, and I think that's why conditioning is so hard to unpack because you're not even aware of it. It's just like stuck somewhere in the back of your brain and your subconscious. But I remember as a kid, you know, we'd have like an activity to to do or something. I'm talking maybe like seven, eight years old, like really young, and people would be like, "You're so bossy." Like, Paige Paige is so bossy. And, you know, when I think about if there was ever a guy who took charge in that situation, the word bossy was never used. Like, let's be honest. And, you know, I think it gets to a point where this is where some of that, like, inferiority comes from is because it's a system that pushes people to be inferior so they don't get attacked. Yeah. Yeah. It's also these words that have been created that are only negative when they're applied to women. Mm-hmm. Like slut. Yes, true. It's true. There are so many words that if you say it, like, firstly, it feels uncomfortable to use it when you're speaking about a man. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a slut. 
that doesn't even really make any sense. I mean, mm. it makes sense, but it's not used. There yeah. are these special little words that Mr. Patriarchy created that make women feel inferior for mm. no reason. And I think that like any word like queer or the F word, which I don't want to say, you claim it back mm. and you make it your own. And I think that we could do that. Yes. As females. A hundred percent. Like, love you slut. Mwah! <laughs> it's like, so true. Use it as a term of endearment and then it has no power. Yeah, you reclaim the power like, oh, back. I love my bossy queen. Yes. Yes, I'm going to reclaim it. Yes, it's so true. And I think, you know, there's, yeah, there's something in ownership that it's absolutely, it takes away the almost like demeaning power that it can have over you and gives it kind of a more positive, empowering sort of power. I forgot about bitch. Yes, true. Bitch is the big one. Mm, 100%. Yes, it is. And what did Florence say? It was on her story. Women shouldn't call each other bitches unless it's something something along the lines of women shouldn't call each other bitches unless it is a term of endearment. Yeah, and also I think she just said a bitch is just a woman with boundaries. Yes, that's it. Yeah, I think she has an artwork with that on it. Yeah, so even that, like, let's talk now. What do you think um, has been, because I think, you know, in a way, self-love is a boundary. Like, you can't have self-love without having boundaries. I think they're just two things, whether that's about how people treat you or, like, where you're going to put your energy. You just can't have both, right? Sorry. You just can't have one without the other. So what do you think was kind of the hardest act of self-love or a boundary that you had to put in your life? And like, what was that like? Okay. So I was actually, I was thinking about this the other day and I'm pretty sure that the biggest act of self-love I've ever had to do was quitting my course. Mm. So basically since I was in year nine, so I was pretty young, I decided I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. This is what I'm going to do. And upon reflection, I was like, this is what I'm passionate about. But the truth is that my stepdad's a lawyer. It's an incredibly well-renowned profession. And I felt like I had to prove my intelligence. Mm -hmm. I felt like maybe because I was a woman or just because of like my family, um, I wanted to prove that I was smart. And I was subconsciously thinking that doing law, people who are lawyers are smart. People think Mm -hmm. I'm smart. And I rejected my creativity, which is a huge, huge part of me. And I picked this life path and I didn't even think about it. I didn't Mm. even think, is this right for me? And actually, love you to death. You're (laughs) the one who actually helped me realize this. And I don't even think it was consciously. But we were sitting here, it's actually your birthday. And you were like, so why do you actually want to be a lawyer? You like asked me the question. And I was like, I don't. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, crap. Because I worked so hard to get a mark to get into this course. And I'm not enjoying it. And now I know that I can't stay mm. because that is an act of self-hatred. Yes. I'm picking a life for myself that I'm not going to like. So I had to say to my family, hey, I've actually been lying and I'm really not having a good time. And I'm going to leave mm. this course and I'm going to do something that I love. Yep. And I don't know where it's going to take me. And that's fine because I know that wherever I go from here, at least I've made this choice for myself, something that's aligned with me, mm-hmm. something where I feel like I can be creative and I feel like I can be myself. That was a big thing mm-hmm. that in the profession I worked in or working in law and going to classes in law, I felt like I was making myself into a more palatable version of myself. Mm-hmm. So I was perceived as intelligent or as worthy. I felt like I was an imposter and I actually think I was an imposter not because I wasn't good enough or I couldn't do it just because it wasn't me. And I didn't feel connected to anyone around me Mm -hmm. because maybe that's right for them. 
but it wasn't right for me. I feel like I'm a Phoebe, man. And I was really <laughs> pretending yeah. to be like Chandler or something or like Ross, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think I feel like a lot of the time people, uh, especially when you're moving out of high school, you know, and I've spoken about this uh, already, but there's you get stuck in this bubble where it's just constantly the same people, constantly the same kind of things you're pursuing. There's not really a real chance for separation and introspection. I don't think. I think you're almost cluttered in that way that you don't get a chance to really like deeply ask yourself, is like that what I want? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think there are so many people sitting in degrees that they don't want to be in. And for me, like seeing you make that decision, seeing you like actually saying, you know, I'm out and getting accepted into the new course that you wanted, which is like brilliant. That, like, makes me proud as a best friend because that, I think, is probably, like, the biggest act of self-love. We're getting a cry! <laughs> Why do um, I always cry when... I feel like I always cry just all the time. I'm crying a little bit, but not too much. Just give me a bit more. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... Yeah, because it's it's so hard and you have all these, like, pressure points coming from everywhere that it takes a lot to just say... I don't care. I don't need the external validation in this circumstance. I'm taking it from myself. And I think the truth is, and I'm so lucky that most of the pressure was basically all the pressure was coming from me to prove intelligence to myself and to other people. My family, I love them. They don't give an absolute crap what I do as long as I'm doing what I like. And as long as I'm not homeless, Mm. you know, (laughs) and they're willing to help me out however much I need. So it wasn't like I was scared that people were going to be like, Oh, you're just a failure. Mm. No one was actually going to ever say that to me, but I also used to look at people who would quit law degrees after a year because a lot Mm. of people do and be like, oh, that's not going to be me. I literally remember thinking that in January this year, like that's not going to be me. Like they just can't handle the workload. Yeah. They just can't handle it. Like they're not smart enough for it. Like I actually really was. (laughs) I just hated it because it just wasn't me. Yeah. I think we're positioned to not listen to what we want. Definitely. Or yeah. to, you, you get the mark, do the course that is at your mark. Yeah. if you get a 99, yeah. do law or do med mm. and don't study art because you love it. Mm. Because you're smarter than that. That perception that creative, creative subjects and creative courses are for dumb people. Yes. Because creativity like isn't, you can't, can't capitalize off it as easy. Yes. You can, but it's a lot more work. And I think as well how the uh, how the like ATAR system is set up, at least where we live, um, it's it's absolutely true. You know, your mark it kind of sets out. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. And that whole here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. It's yes, it appears like in that high school realm and in marks and in university. But even as like Lawrence has illuminated for both of us. It appears in a lot of other ways too. So, you know, how you dress, you know, what you do with your body hair, all this kind of stuff. Um, It's, you know, I think we don't even realize that these like boundaries are set up because we just think that's just how it is. Like we don't even question, can we push outside of those boundaries a little bit? Or um, is that even something I want? We're just like, yeah, no, it's not for me. It's not for me. But you haven't even taken the time to actually ask yourself because there are all these systems set up designed for you not to ask so let me ask then what has your experience been do you think in terms of maybe some of those more superficial do's and don'ts 
that have shifted since reading the book. Okay, so I feel like a big one that I think I'm pretty sure like 99% of people who read this book were like, I'm going to grab my armpit hair immediately. <laughs> so I did that. So I grew out all of my body hair on my whole body and I left it for several months. And I was like, I am going to just experience my body in its natural state and make the decision of what I feel comfortable with and what is practical mm. for me. And I'm not going to worry as much as possible about what other people think. And if my parents say something about it, I'm going to say, don't say that because Mm. this is my decision. I'm an adult and it's my decision what I do with my body. And I basically came to the conclusion that I like my hairy legs. They are fun to pat. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I actually really enjoy having my armpit smooth because I like to wear stick deodorant and it's Mm -hmm. just way more practical for me. And I just feel like I get a nice breeze in my pits. I'm like, ooh, this is nice. You know, I just find that more practical in my personal experience. But now that I've actually grown my armpit hair, I can say I feel comfortable with it there. And yes. if a little bit grows out, that's totally fine. Mm. Cause that's just the way I was born. I was yeah. born with this. You it's know? just, it's eliminating those like superficial, let's be real, unattainable standards that like have put in place really just to get you to put money into a system. Definitely. Because you get to buy the raises. Raise tax. Yeah. Everything. And, um, You know, I think as well, it's important to say that that stuff at first, it's not like you can just jump into doing that and feeling okay with it, but it's, if there's some sort of discomfort happening, it feels there's change happening then, or some sort of growth, you're acting from a different place. So I think it's almost naive to go, yeah, I'm going to do that too and not feel any, you know, not feel any discomfort or not feel any embarrassment or not feel any worry about what other people think. I think that it's actually... You start from a place where that is there, but you are pushing through it. That's the difference. And you get to a position where it's not. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And I think that if you're especially a woman, but also a man, because patriarchy affects men as well. um, If you feel like you're doing something like shaving and you're like, oh, I don't want to. I don't Mm. feel like it. Well, like, oh, I don't feel like wearing a bra today. Like literally not wearing a bra right now. Read the titties, (laughs) you know. Um, If you don't feel like it, just don't. Like, mm. and it might feel uncomfy and people might say something, but just be like, I didn't want to. Yeah. And maybe I will tomorrow so and maybe true. I won't tomorrow, but it's my choice. Mm. And yeah, that's what I think. I think as well that, you know, especially like me and Scarlett have a very mixed friend group in terms of, you know, females and males. And I think that there is almost this resistance to talk about this with men or to open up conversations about self-love and to open up conversations about the patriarchy um, out of fear of looking like you're attacking someone. And it's really not. It's about, I think, building empathy and learning from somebody else's perspective. And, you know, what advice would you have for anyone who wants to initiate those conversations in their friend groups and maybe kind of encourage people to question their own conditioning, encourage people to question what their belief system is, whether they are female, whether they're male, whether they're non-binary. I think that you need to approach it firstly from a place of love and a place of understanding to seek understanding from their perspective and to try and like just have them understand yours. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more you can do. And a lot of, a lot of times you're not going to convince anyone of what you think. All you can do is give them that information Mm -hmm. and then just hope that they 
digest yes um but also that a lot of people are not on the same level as you at that time if you're listening to this podcast chances are that you're on further down the track of your feminist anti-patriarchy journey than a lot of people and especially like your parents and your family people who are older and aren't as exposed to like more of a leftist kind Mm. of liberal idea as the younger generation are so just go into it with the understanding that they might be not as they have might not have grown as much mm-hmm. as you in this kind yes. of uh, topic, but also try and approach it from like personal experience. I always find yeah. or mutual issues. Yes. So just say to your girlfriends like, "Oh, don't you just hate shaving your legs sometimes?" Something mm-hmm. like that, and then go from there. And yeah. they might be like, "No, I love it. I love the feeling of my smooth legs." You can be like, "But isn't it weird that it just grows naturally in our body?" Well, just like yuck. It's not actually that yuck when you think about it, you know, approach it from something mutual, something you can both kind of relate to. Bond over. Definitely. Yeah. Because if they, if you're, and also don't make it feel like you're attacking them. So if they say, (laughs) but I like my smooth legs, be like, yeah, it does feel nice. Like kind of validate them a little bit along the way, because if you just shove it down their throat, they're not going to listen. Yes. And not that you're trying to convince anyone, but you should at least try and have them listen yes i like to i think in this realm and kind of with anything you know this for me this is a part of personal growth for me um i look at i try to look at myself in these situations as like a catalyst so i'm not here to transform you i'm not here to explain everything to you i'm not here to get you on the same wavelength as me at least in like friend groups and friend scenarios um I'm just here to get you to maybe consider a different perspective and then decide which one feels right for you. So in terms of like, you know, we're having this conversation using shaving as an example, I did the same thing as Scarlett and I came to the conclusion that I preferred my legs shaved. But again, someone was the catalyst for me in making that decision. And actually I knew then that was a decision that I made and I'm aware of it. And there's this really great quote that I read, something along the lines of, it's by Eckhart Tolle, and it's something along the lines of a, as soon as you recognize an illusion, it is no longer an illusion. So if you, you know, you might revert back to what the almost like expected or standard ideal is, even if that like ideal aligns with something quite patriarchal, but at least you've come there yourself. It's not influenced by conditioning or something you have decided for yourself. Like you have autonomy and agency in your decision. Um, yeah, I think look at yourself as a catalyst that's just going to trigger a little bit of a different perspective that is not going to transform someone in one conversation because it's not possible. You it's can't a transform. Of growth. Exactly. And, you know, unless someone is f- coming from their own end, they have the energy to commit themselves to something like this, or, you know, because it is work, like it is inner work that you're going through, unless they're going to take the time to actually dive into it themselves, you can't push anything. On and I also someone. think, yeah, if you're, you're triggering having, them a little bit, definitely. That's but also, if you're having these conversations with someone and that person is being blatantly negative and they're not listening to you and they're saying that you're wrong and they're being just mean about it, maybe don't. Mm. Maybe put that effort into talking to someone who wants to listen. Yes. Because just like the saying, like, you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped, if they don't want to listen, they're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. And there's no point in just speaking to a brick wall. So, it's worth a shot, but I think that it's more positive if you say, oh, this person, they want to listen to me and they want to learn, and I'm going to share my wisdom with that person. Yes. 
um, because you're actually going to be able to make an impact on them. I know some family members that I've tried to have this conversation with and they just don't want to listen. It just doesn't align with what they've grown up with. And chances are they will literally never change their mind and they will go to the grave thinking the way they think because that's the way they've been brought up. Mm. And that's fine because I can't change that. One little me can't change that. Yeah. And I don't even think that dramatic social shift could change certain people. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I know people as well, like conversations I've had with my mum and my grandmother that have been super progressive and they've come out of it thinking a new way. And I'm like, wow, I did that. Like I was able to initiate that. Mm. And that's really great. Yeah, that's powerful. Absolutely. I totally relate to you in terms of, you know, there are certain, you know, people in my family that I wouldn't have conversations with because again, you know, we spoke about like self-love interconnected to boundaries. I'm setting a boundary on my energy that I just know my energy is going to be drained so hard in that kind of situation. So obviously like you're not going to get any transformation without some sort of discomfort and without some sort of, you know, it, it is going to feel hard at points, but it shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel dominantly drained. You should feel empowered when you're having conversations with these people. Um, yes. Awesome. So for those of you who haven't read the book yet, um, first off, would we highly recommend to read it? A Definitely. million out of 10. A million out of 10. We're trying to spread it to as many you know people as possible. And even if you're a guy listening to this, I would still encourage you. I think that, you know, so valuable yeah a hundred percent gives a really good perspective for a lot of issues that women struggle with yes that might make you a better partner dad friend brother brother all yeah. of the above it's just it i think it up levels it up levels beyond just i think people think it's just going to benefit women it's really not if men can engage in that as well it'll it will benefit men. And it goes back to women's issues being everyone's issues. Exactly. A hundred percent. Um, and even, you know, I use this example in a conversation we had the other day, you know, me and Scarlett are both white. We can't come from the same place or the same perspective that a person of color can. So in order to try and understand and help and, um, you know, recognize how are we contributing to a system that oppresses people of color, we have to also, listen to the perspectives of people that aren't us and we're we're white we just can't do that so if you're a guy i would still encourage you think of it the same way you also need to take the perspective of a woman i think if you know you are like we are contributing to a system i know that me and scarlett we have come to the awareness especially in the last year that we're also contributing to a system that oppresses people of color Mm -hmm. it's the same thing men as women are too. And mate, you, you're probably not doing it directly either. Yes, you're exactly. You're probably not going it's in with the intention of people get so defensive. Like, yes. I would like to think that I am 0% racist, you know, and every day I'm striving towards becoming a little less racist, but I'm white. And I think every person that is white is racist to an extent. Yes. And it's definitely not, into you. yeah, it's not the intention, Yes, but it's built in. And same with men. You're probably a little misogynistic, even if you don't want to think of it. Yeah, and it might not even be something you're consciously aware of yet, but take the effort to become aware of it. Definitely. So for those then who haven't read the book, what do you think is the biggest takeaway for you that you got from the book? I feel like the word boundaries Mm -hmm. is probably my biggest, and I've been throwing it around 
every day just trying to set boundaries and i find it so hard because i'm such a people pleaser mm. and i love to see other people happy so even in for me it's a little easier with people that are close to me especially like with you mm-hmm. i feel like i could just be like i don't feel like hanging out today I'm not feeling up to it and you'd be like yes mm. do you mm-hmm. um but with some people i find that more difficult and i find it especially hard when it comes to work to saying like to my employers i can't work on this day like i had to say no to working one day for like a personal reason and I felt so guilty and I was like I don't have to feel guilty and it was your day off <laughs> it was literally my day off and I was like I I have to just say no and I don't need to give them an excuse because I actually don't owe them anything other than what I literally have in my contract mm-hmm. yes. um so yeah boundaries is a big one also the chapter on queerness was incredibly enlightening mm-hmm. I feel like it pushed a lot of Uh, expectations that I have about like rigidness in queerness Mm -hmm. and how it's a spectrum um so that was a big one um and definitely the chapter on privilege Mm, I was gonna say that too I think privilege was a big chapter for me there's this section in the book where you have to uh, like tick off all the privilege you have and actually having to like be confronted with how much privilege you have because of how many boxes are ticked Mm -hmm. a hundred percent that was really confronting for me I think I ticked like four out of a hundred of boxes of the things that I'm oppressed for. Yes. <laughs> and it was like my parents being separated. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. And you know, it was so much stuff. There was uh, like cisgender privilege. There was um, heterosexual privilege. There was all this stuff. And definitely I think as well, it really opened my eyes to how privileged I was and didn't really realize. And again, I think for me, like the biggest takeaway from the book was Really just how many systems am I complicit in and unaware of? That was like the main takeaway for me. And, you know, I that's one of the things I don't want is I don't want to be complicit in something. I want to have, you know, agency over my own life. And that involves having awareness of the things that are controlling my life, really. Definitely. Another chapter that I really loved was the, am I intimidate? Am I, are they intimidating or am I intimidated? Something along those lines. And it basically spoke about how we demonize, um, anybody, women in this case who have, I suppose, something that we want or is triggering something we don't like about ourselves. That is where kind of that demonization comes from. It doesn't come from a genuine, you don't like them it's almost a trigger or a reflection of you. And I thought that was really powerful because, you know, I can think back to high school and there were people that I didn't like. And I said that I had these reasons, but if we go deep down to it, I think intimidation was the real reason why I was averted. Um, What do you think about that? I think that women are pinned against each other, Mm. competitive against each other for absolutely no reason. Um, logically, absolutely no reason. But I think it's like, she's prettier than me. And then like, maybe she'll get the guy or something like that. Mm. Um, when the truth is that we're all just like cruising along, we're parallel. We're not going to cross over. And if we don't, if she gets an opportunity that I don't get, maybe that was just right for her and good for her. Doesn't mean there's less opportunity. Exactly. Something better will come along for you anyway. Mm -hmm. And like, I have found myself being jealous of people close to me like even my mom like that's dumb like it's a bit dumb she's my mom like i should just be like yes like i'm so happy that she's happy but then i'm like i want that Mm. but we can both have that you know what i mean like anything that someone else has 
that you're jealous of, you can still have it. Mm. If you want, like, their, like if you're jealous of their relationship, it doesn't mean you won't ever have a relationship or you will never feel intimacy in that way. Mm. And if you're jealous of their success, well, firstly, don't make the assumption that they're happy because you don't yes, know Yes, that's a big thing too. But also, it? like, what is your success? And then make it happen because you mm. can do it. And I don't think that men are competing against each other in the way that women feel like they are. Mm. Because maybe we feel like we're already a little behind because we're women. So we're racing for the top spot. Mm, Definitely. And even as well, another thing that came to light was the how self-love and self-care aren't the same thing. And about how, you know, in, in a patriarchy, we are taught to think that, you know, for example... Shaving is just taking, let's be real, taking care of yourself and loving yourself. Buying bubble baths is an act of self-love. Getting face masks is an act of self-love. Really, I think that's just self-care and it's not the same thing. And I think the big difference between the two of them is that self-care feels comfortable. Self-love doesn't. Exactly. Like I actually like wrote this down in my phone somewhere. It's like I took a screenshot of Florence's, one of her stories that she did, where she was like, she came to the realization herself that the difference between self-love and self-care is that self-love feels shit in the moment, but it feels better later. Mm -hmm. And self-care feels good in the moment, but it feels shit later. Like taking a night off to like paint your nails and have a bath feels great and then you get out of the bath and all your problems are still there yes but like leaving your toxic partner feels shitty because you're like oh like that wasn't fun like of course Mm -hmm. it's not fun but then like two months down the road when you're doing what you want without feeling like they're holding you back you're like so glad that you did that definitely and like jumping on that train um i think that you know one of the biggest acts of self-love that people can, you know, demonstrate in their lives is cutting off toxic relationships or toxic friendships. And, you know, in high school, I think it's really hard too when, you know, you have maybe grown super close with someone or, you know, you've known them for a really, really long time. And then all of a sudden you're illuminated to something toxic in them or something that you don't want to be around anymore. And it is incredibly hard speaking from personal experience to set the boundary and detach from that person and essentially remove them from your life. And that does exactly, it doesn't feel good in the moment. And I think we get a lot of like inner critic pop up at that point. Like, okay, but is anyone else going to be your friend? Is anybody else going to love you? Um, is there a reason? You're feeling like you yeah, have to give a reason? exactly. That you have to justify why you're taking a specific sort of action. And, you know, in high school, this was something that I did. Um, and I felt like there was a particular, there were particular relationships and there was a particular friendship that was draining my energy and it didn't feel mutual. It felt toxic in a way. And it just wasn't energy that at that point in my life, I wanted to be around. And it doesn't mean you have to hate on somebody else. doesn't mean that has to be this like big blow up where everybody's like screaming. You can make, you can set boundaries in a way that detaches you and you still have your peace i think definitely and i think some people think that if i have to end some sort of toxic relationship or some sort of toxic friendship it's going to implode and it might but think about the peace that you'll have at the end of it i think and i think especially in that situation it was like if i they felt rejected or they thought like oh what have i done wrong what have i done wrong and you Mm. don't want to be like well 
you actually made me feel shit about myself quite a lot. And it was this and it was this. And you don't want to say it to them mm. because they're going to be hurt. Um, and that was also a thing because especially like you have a lot of empathy and you don't want that person to feel so shit after it. But you also have to do what's right for you. And it's yes. hard. It's so hard. Mm. But like looking back, do you feel like better for it? Yes, definitely. I think that you can't. You know, and even if we're talking about manifestation as well or anything that you want to attract into your life, if you have stuff taking up space in your life that feels toxic, you are blocking other positive things from coming in. So until you release that toxic stuff and those toxic relationships, I don't think you really have the space to, you know, bring new ones. Into yeah, the exactly. Well. Exactly. And um, I think there's also an element of, you know, you were talking about how you want to justify and you want to give a reason. You don't have to justify. You don't have to give a reason. If it feels right intuitively, that is enough for you. And you don't have to prove or explain yourself to anyone. You can I don't even think. just say, if you're worried and they're like, why? Just be like, it's not serving me anymore. Exactly. And just be yes. like, I don't feel like this is what it used to be. Um, as Harry Styles said, we're not who we used to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't want to be part of this anymore. You can just be honest as well. Yeah. I think it might even be better for that person. You'll be helping them out a little bit. You don't have to be horrible about it. Mm. But just tell them, like, truthfully, like, you're not serving me anymore. And this is why. Yes. And maybe they'll think about it. And maybe they'll be like, hmm, I am toxic in that way. Time to do changing. Yes, you might encourage some... Uh, some introspection on their part, which I think is good. You know, it really is like beneficial for everyone. Mm -hmm. And even though it's not about them in this case, it's about you. You are still serving them by not being inauthentic and faking your happiness while you're there. Definitely. Yes. It also gives them the opportunity to meet people and friends that they feel aligned with. Maybe they feel like they have to change yourself, their self for you as well. Mm. And it's just not aligned. It might just not be aligned. And I think too, um, just in saying that, you know, I don't want people to like mistake the fact that you should always recognize the toxicity in somebody else. I think it's just as important to recognize the toxicity you have in yourself. Even more important because yes. you can do something about that. hundred percent. You can, you have the power to change it. Yeah. Basically. There mm. isn't like just good and bad in everyone. Yeah. There's not. We're all of the cocktail. <laughs> Serious Black said, the amount of times I whipped this quote out, he's like, there's not... Um, the world isn't split up into good people and death eaters. There's light and dark in both of us. The amount of times I've yes. used that quote, it's so true. Mm-hmm. And you got to get to know both sides of yourself. You just have to. Exactly. And, and, uh, and of other people. This is another thing too. I don't think just because somebody acts in a kind of potentially toxic or a way that you don't like, it doesn't mean you need to, you really don't need to end things with them immediately. I don't want that to like become the message that someone is like behaving toxically and you cut them off. I don't, I don't think you should cancel people. I think that if you set a boundary and they can't respect that boundary, that's when you need to leave. Let them know. Yes. And, um, you know, in the same way that people can be there to support you in working through your own toxicity, like I know you have for me, you can be that for other people. You can help, you can work through toxicity with other people. It's just a matter of when you have continued to, to set boundaries and they have not been respected, Mm. then as an act of self-love, get yourself out. Definitely. I think. Should we answer the question that I added in? Sure. Let's answer the question you added in. I'll ask it since I wrote it. Okay. Paige. Yes. Who has the biggest titties in the world? <laughs> I, um, 
Dolly Parton. Yes! <laughs> it's, it's the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Let's Dolly add Parton. some sound effects. Yeah. Paige, Paige, who's editing, please add some ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you. It is Dolly Parton. Correct answer. I love it. So I think that brings us to the end of our conversation. Um, if anybody wants to find you online, check out some of the art you've been doing, want to connect with you, where can they find you? Well, I'll get Paige to add all my little linkies in the description thing. Um, mm-hmm. But my Instagram is, I will spell it for you because it's a bit weird. It's <laughs> Scarlet, S-C-A-R-L-E-T-T-I-N. Oh, 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 Scarlatino with three O's. So I post some of my art on there. And I also have a blog, which I'll just have page link um, in the show notes. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, where I write articles sometimes or I book reviews and that sort of thing. And yeah. Awesome. Maybe I'll make some YouTube videos one day. Maybe. <laughs> no, and yeah, I would from um i would definitely encourage you to go check out her instagram because some of the art that she's been doing has been really really cool and i've loved seeing it evolve so i think you should definitely check that out and of course check out florence given who wrote women don't know you pretty absolute credit to her for this book um and encourage yourself to kind of dive deep with some of her content i think it could definitely serve you like sit in a circle with some of your friends and just like read a chapter yes. and unpack that could be, we even did that after we, did we read that. it we went and mm-hmm. did a picnic which was so, actually really sweet it was actually and really we cute. all went with our highlights and our books and we discussed them all and it was very very beneficial so i would highly recommend yeah make an event of it yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much for coming onto the podcast i very much appreciate it great time cool um i hope you enjoyed i love that you were my first guest only felt right and i hope you had a good time well thank you for having me and i hope everyone could understand my strange abstract thinking (laughs) (laughs) so i hope you loved that episode as much as i did it was so juicy there was so much stuff to unpack there if you did enjoy this episode i would really encourage you to share it with a friend post it to your instagram stories tag the podcast at the mind project podcast i just think we are truly sponges and i say this every single week we need to be conscious about the content we consume and you can spread what i think is beautiful content to other people so i'd really encourage you to do that if you found that this served you i'd also like to let you know that i have actually started a new instagram account uh, with all content around mindset manifestation Uh, i'm launching it as a coaching account so that is at page.co and if you go to the show notes you will find all the details there otherwise i will see you next week for another episode of the mind project have a beautiful week